the volume. The Draymond Green Show presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. There's a lot of reasons. It's America's number one sportsbook. Incredibly easy to use. Super safe, totally secure. Super fast payouts in as quick as two hours. You're not going to get that anywhere. Also, same game parlay bets, live betting. It's the best. There really is no competition. By the way, I hope you people are following my college football bets. I'm sort of red hot. I've won 11 of 12. Hey, if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I did it in 15 seconds. Get started now. Sign up. Please use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What's up, everybody? This is Draymond Green welcoming you back to the second episode of the Draymond Green Show. Man, I am extremely excited about this episode. Uh, Obviously, as we spoke on before, uh, this will definitely be a basketball-heavy podcast. And shit got a little spicy last few days in the NBA. Um, Where, you know, there's no surprise that um, King James... Got into it with a young fella, uh, Isaiah Stewart, um, from Detroit. And it got a little bloody. It got a little physical, but we'll talk about that. I guess you can say it got a little physical with with all the antics. As you can see which way I'm leaning um, in the whole discussion by that statement, all of the antics. As a fan of the game of basketball, that shit was crazy. And as a as an actual player, come on. And and why I say come on is because if you watch that video, by the way, 
Isaiah Stewart is probably the strongest guy in the NBA. Um, what is he, 19, 20 years old? Uh, reincarnation of Ben Wallace there in Detroit. So going back, obviously LeBron swung his arm um, and he bloodied Isaiah. And, I mean, as, as someone who's had his fair share of shit uh, throughout, throughout the course of my career, um, I personally can't say LeBron did that on purpose. And here's why I say that. Did he swing his arm on purpose? Yes, absolutely. Was he trying to get Isaiah Stewart from hooking his arm, off his arm? Absolutely. Was he trying to fucking bloody his eye and have blood running down his face like, like he just got, it, got his ass kicked by, by Bud Crawford? I, I, I don't think so. I, I just personally don't think LeBron's intentions was to actually hit him in the eye, to actually make him bleed, to which then led to all of that. And here's why. <clears throat> you have to be so accurate <laughs> in just swinging your arm in the heat of the battle to actually connect and, and have this guy bloody the way he was. Now, again, I 100% think Brown was swinging his arm to get him off him. Like, of course, that's, that's a natural reaction. Um, Kind of like my reaction when LeBron stepped over me, you know, like uh, someone—it's a natural reaction when someone's grabbing you, someone's over you. It's a natural thing, you know. And so, I—I 100% don't think that LeBron did that on purpose. But as I said, he definitely was getting the kid off of. All right, now we move forward in the little scrum, and my second thoughts were y'all matched up man-to-man, -man, you know, man-to-man -man in each other's face. And to me, it looked like LeBron is saying, hey, man, my bad, didn't, you know, didn't try to do that. And the conversation seemed to be a little under control. You know, he's pissed off. He turns around. Bron's standing there. Bron's like, yo, my bad, blah, blah, blah. And then, this is where it got spicy. You have the teammates come running in, holding the guy back, pulling him away from LeBron. And I think they may have made him feel like he should be upset because that's when he went apeshit. He went apeshit right after the teammates started coming in to grab him. He looked as if he was just going to have a conversation with LeBron in that moment, and they kind of got get it figured all out. Then everyone runs in. He turns into the fucking Incredible Hawk and <laughs> starts running over everybody. You know, if 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 you were going to do all of that, then that should have just happened when y'all were face-to-face. -face. Like, you had your opportunity to do whatever it was that you were going to do, and that didn't happen. That time period is gone. Let's move forward. So... For everyone out there, um, for my fellow NBA guys out there, uh, for Isaiah Stewart, uh, someone who's been fined about a million dollars in my career, I wouldn't waste my time if I were you and money because unless you're going to do something right in that moment that you and LeBron were face-to-face, 
the rest of the shit's just window dressing. And 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 the West and the rest of it is it leads to the internet going crazy. And most importantly, what it leads to is it leads to a fucking two-game suspension, which is two game checks. And you know, there's this, this, there's this common misconception of once a kid comes into the NBA that they're rich. That's bullshit. Because, number one, you have Asian fees. Most importantly, you have taxes. Um, you have cost of living. You're, you have, for most of us, um, figuring out how money and finances actually work. You know, and so you have all of these things. You have family. You have all of these things to where those first couple years, especially for me, who was a second-round pick, you just don't have a bunch of money. And to, to get suspended for two games, I'm not sure Isaiah Stewart's salary, but I'd be willing to bet he probably won't get a check for the next week, I mean, for the next two to four weeks. And if so, it will be significantly less. I do think this is the last that we'll see Isaiah Stewart getting into it with someone like the caliber of King James or some other guys in this league. Because as, as Gilbert Arena said in his, in his post the other day, um, <clears throat> there's just some guys you shouldn't get into it with. And Isaiah, take it from me. I got into it with LeBron James about um, roughly five years ago. And it didn't go so well for me. And not that LeBron kicked my ass. Um, but he did kick my ass, not physically though. He did kick my ass because he came back from a 3-1 deficit to win a, uh, a world championship and that shit still stings today. So as someone who has gotten into it with King James on the floor, Isaiah, just a little word of advice. It's not really worth the time. Um, it's not really worth the effort and the energy that he spent to get through all of those people only to end up paying two game checks. We can all sit and say, uh, how did he get suspended for two games? And LeBron got suspended for one. LeBron started, blah, blah, blah. That shit doesn't matter. Um, that is the world that we live in. Shit is earned. And I think LeBron James personally should not have been suspended for one game because he is LeBron James. And yes, he did hit the dude in the face. He got kicked out of a game. Let's just leave it at that because I personally don't think... That's just, that's the world we live in, man. So if you didn't think LeBron deserved the suspension, were you surprised then? Because I feel like a lot of people were surprised that he got suspended for a game, especially considering the game he's going to miss is a national TV game at Madison Square Garden. You know, it, it, I am not surprised that he got suspended and here's why. Adam Silver, uh, who I think is the best commissioner in sports, um, and it's not a discussion, um, Adam Silver, if I'm not mistaken, has publicly said something along the lines of the league judges' reactions on social media and everywhere else when they are um, deciding whether a suspension will happen, a fine will happen. Adam hasn't been shy to that, and I could be mixing my channels up, and that's something that I've heard just being in the NBA. But as a fan of this game, I'm pretty sure that's something that I've seen publicly. But that's that's that. Like they're they're going to somewhat take into account the public's reaction, and obviously the public reaction to this was huge. So 
I am not surprised that LeBron got suspended for a game because the public's reaction was so big to it, um, to the incident, and it's drawn so much attention. So because of that, I'm not surprised. But I am surprised because I just don't think LeBron James should get suspended unless it's just some shit that fucking, you know, sometimes, you know, things get do get a little out of hand, and then that's just that. That thing got out of hand, but from the time LeBron hit him in the face, he was kind of like, hey, man, my bad. He stood back. He didn't continue to go. Even after Isaiah Stewart did all the running around and trying to rip through people that he did, Bron just stood back there like, look at him. <laughs> What's he doing? And, and so, yes, I think LeBron got kicked out of the game. And, and like, there's his punishment. Like, you get kicked out of the game, you, you, you're getting fined there. Maybe you tack on an extra fine or something, whatever. But I personally didn't think he should have gotten suspended because he's, he had his punishment. Like, he, he hit the guy in the face. Um, he got kicked out of the game. And that's that. Now, it's one thing if, you know, that officiating crew said, um, we're going to give LeBron a flagrant one or we're going to give LeBron a technical foul and he continues to play, and then the league goes and review it, and they say, oh, no, that punishment, he should have been thrown out of that game. So because of that, we're giving a one-game suspension. Then that's totally different. But, I mean, he had got kicked out of the game. And I personally think he he's just paid for his actions. Like, be, you know, Isaiah Stewart um, went crazy after the fact, and, you know, it created this whole commotion. But... The reality is that like LeBron didn't go crazy. Like so so does LeBron now get in trouble because this dude started running through everybody? Like I I personally don't understand that. And so um I didn't think uh he should have been suspended. So if if I was surprised at anything, I was surprised more so at the fact of like, yes, you suspended him, but he he served his punishment. And that's just that. But it's funny because I was I was talking to my um I was talking to my wife t- yesterday, and we were talking about I'm like, damn baby, they just suspended Brian, and, and and we're talking about the situation, and she's like, well, can you you're like, wouldn't it be dope if you could choose choose which game you get suspended for? <laughs> Tell me, are you asking me? <laughs> I sure wouldn't have I sure wouldn't have cho- chosen game five, so. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be nice, but and, and I said, well, that would be nice, but it doesn't quite work that way. It's just the next game up. And she's like, that sucks. I said, well, what sucks is they're playing in the garden, and it's a national TV game. You know, it's the Knicks. And she's like, yeah, that sucks. She's like, but I'm sure LeBron feels like I've, I've played in the garden enough times. Like, all right. But I said, but here's what you have to take into account, baby. At the point that LeBron is at in his career, which is in year 19, he only has so many more games in the guard. You know, like, you got this one this year, which he'll now miss. So then you got year 20. Who knows what's going on at that point in the season when you play in the garden? You know, and so we've seen LeBron have monster games in the garden. And, you know, we know what that stage brings out in the best. And so just to not have that opportunity to play and you only have so many more opportunities um, to actually be on that stage and play in the garden. Uh, that's the part where I think I, I think that really sucks. Uh, I think I think for me personally, uh, as far as the Lakers go, um, 
as far as the Lakers go with making the trade for Russell Westbrook, uh, I think they let go of KCP, uh, Kuz, Montrez Harrell, and and bringing in Russ. As a competitor, you know, I can sit here and go through it, go through an analyst uh, or give an analysis uh, on the trade and how I felt and how I feel now and where they are as a team. But the reality is, as a competitor, as someone who in the, who's in the same division as them, fighting for the same goal, um, as someone who's on a team who's trying to get out of the Western Conference and get back to an NBA Finals, it's not really on me to decide, like, oh, is this a good trade for them or is this not? I really don't give a damn. Uh, what, what I do care about is I immediately just start playing with the matchups. Like, okay, I'll be on AD. All right, so we'll have wigs on. We'll have wigs probably on LeBron. Uh, and if, if we have wigs on LeBron, uh, then then who who then you know our next matchup? Who are we putting on Russ? You know, and so I just immediately start going through the matchups and seeing how we stack up against that team. I personally think it's absolutely insane that uh, people will start to count that team out less than 20 games into the season because, it number one, it takes time for shit to work. It takes time for a team to actually become a team. And so to think that a team 18 games into the season, that's who that team will be in a month, in two months, in three months, it's absurd. Uh, and it is, it's almost disrespectful to the process of going through it and, and the process of winning the championship because it, it doesn't just happen game one or, or eight or 15 for anyone. You know, like you're still trying to, you're still trying to figure it out. You're figuring matchups out. Uh, you're figuring lineups out. You know, you're figuring all of these, what play, what sets work, what sets don't work. Are we running too many sets? Do we need to simplify the playbook? Do we need to add more to the playbook? Um, you're, you still have all of those things to, to figure out. And so to count that team out uh, under 20 games into the season, I think is absurd. As I said before, I think it's disrespectful to the process of winning a championship because it, it doesn't happen overnight. For anyone, um, not you know, I, I say that as someone. I think we're fifteen and two, or whatever our record is right now. Here we sit, we we sit here in the, with the best record in the league uh, through the first three weeks or whatever it is. And you can bet your bottom dollar we're we're like we're going to hit some bumps. Like we're you know that's just the nature of the game we play. Uh, you play eighty two games in a year, you know you lose two or three in a row. It feels like the world's collapsing on you, you know, and so. We're going to hit some bumps. They are, you know, they they're already hitting some bumps, and that's just every, everyone's season is different. Uh, you may hit your bumps in the beginning, you may hit them in the middle, you may hit them in the end. You also have some of these teams that may be bumpy all all the way through the season. But the reality is, is everyone hits that bump in the road. Everyone has to figure it out, and I think I, I don't think it's past the point of where they're going to figure it out. We're twenty, we're not even twenty games in, so. I don't I don't sit back and look at them and say, yep, that, that team can't figure it out or they won't win. Now that's a very dangerous team with a lot of talent that you have to continue to get better and make sure you're putting yourself in the best position to beat that team whenever it's time because they'll be there. 
Speaking of another team that has a lot of talent and you can't count out that was sort of uh, in the news a little bit online last night. Did you, Draymond Green, see the picture of Kevin Durant's ashy Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Kay. You know what? I actually saw the picture. uh, Bam, out of bio, sent me the picture and said, there's no way Kay is this ashy. He said, there's no way K is this ash. And I said, what the fuck? I sent back a bunch of crying laughing faces. And then I clicked on the link that Bam sent me. And it was fucking hilarious. I think it was the 10 clips of like, <laughs> the 10 clips of, uh, well, tweets, I should say. It started with Isaiah Thomas and then it, it, it went on through. I, um, it was a great, it was a great day in, and NBA news not related to basketball between KD's ankle or leg or whatever it is. That that was ridiculous. And, and as someone who, like, I mean, growing up, man, I, I was the kid in high school who I everyone came to me for lotion. I kept lotion in my backpack, but I was always ashy. I fucking hated putting it on. But if you ever needed lotion, you come to me. So as someone who spent... uh the first 16 years of my life not giving a damn whether I was ashy or not. That was another level of, that That wasn't even ash. That was fucking scales. And like, I mean, it looked like you could go fucking skin him like an alligator and, and, and take it to the store and sell it. Like, that's how bad, that's how bad it was. I have not talked to Kevin yet. I am looking forward to calling him today and, and getting his opinion, I know he's gonna say "fuck y'all." Uh, yeah, did you see his tweet? Like, why? Uh, why y'all worried about my ankles? <laughs> I already know what his response is gonna be. But I'll tell you what: to my brother Rich Kleinman, um, there's a lot, a lot of lotion brands out here. I'm not sure if Kevin Durant wants to promote some lotion or endorse some lotion. <laughs> But to my brother Rich Kleiman, uh, who is an incredible businessman, who's been, who's uh, helped alongside Kevin uh, build thirty five ventures, uh, who's doing big shit in the the media and sports tech, sports media and technology industry. My brother Rich, I need you to call all these lotion brands, or being that we are talking about KD. Pick the lotion brand that y'all want to endorse and partner with and go partner with them because that'll be an incredible story if Kevin just comes out the next game incredibly lotion um, you know, with skin looking impeccable. I love to see it. So I uh, hope that Kay can capitalize on this because that was fucking bad. And in other news, Kuzma's sweatshirt. I I love Kuz, man. That's that's you know that's that's the little bro from from Flint, Michigan, which is right up the highway from Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, I think Kuz has definitely lost his Flint ways because I don't know anybody in Flint other than Kuz wearing that goddamn sweater. But uh, hey, man, if you if you can pull it off which I guess he pulled it off. I don't know. Some people will say, yeah, he did pull it off. Some people will say, no, he didn't. 
if you could pull it off and it worked for you, go for it. But that sweater, nah, that that wasn't it. I mean, some of these outfits these guys be wearing and they're like runway shoots through the tunnel <laughs> be fucking pathetic. I actually like the way Kuz dress. I think Kuz puts puts shit together. And I mean, I guess if your if if your goal is to break the internet, he did that. Uh but yeah, the, the sweater's a fucking no for me. My mom texted me. She said if he just wrapped a if he just wrapped wrapped the sleeves around his body, <laughs> he he got himself a straight jacket. <laughs> it's like, I mean, the I couldn't I couldn't fucking believe Kuz wear that sweater. By the way, I can't even believe someone made that sweater. But the fact that he had the confidence to put it on, kudos to Kuz, man. But the sweater fucking sucked in my opinion. I am extremely excited to welcome this next guest uh, to the Draymond Green Show. Guy who I've been a fan of since since high school, man. Watching this man run off a million screens at Duke. I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna read this bio because it's it's so long, and and I wouldn't be doing him any justice if I didn't read this. And a, a McDonald's All American at Cave Spring High School in Roanoke, Virginia. Scored 43 points as a senior in the, in the Virginia High School League 3A state championship victory, which was a record until Matt McClung beat it by scoring 47 2A championship. He set ACC records for most points scored, most ACC tournament points scored during his time at Duke. Total points scored, which was later beat by Tyler Hansborough. Duke's all-time leading scorer, which is saying a whole bunch considering the history of that program, as we all know, uh, top of the top when, when talking men's college basketball, consensus national player of the year in 2006, which I take a little offense to this consensus because I was national player of the year, but definitely wasn't consensus. Uh, two-time Rupp Award winner, two-time ACC player of the year, and he had his number retired at Duke at Cameron Indoor February 4th, 2017. Went on to be drafted 11th overall by the Orlando Magic in the 2006 NBA Draft. Seven seasons with the Magic. Four seasons with the Clippers. Two with the 76ers. Two with the Pelicans. And he finished it off with the Dallas Mavericks. A career 41.5% three-point shooter, 17th all-time. And he made the playoffs in his first 13 seasons. I am honored to have the great the latest media personality that we're all enjoying watching. JJ, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Draymond, what a pleasure to be uh, to be on this show, especially early on. I got the early ask. This is this is a big deal. I should add a couple things to my bio, and I appreciate you uh, espousing all of my uh, my records and whatnot. I was also McDonald's game MVP. I like to point oh, that out. God. I like to point yes, that sir. out. And uh, you forgot uh, two very somewhat forgettable months that I spent in Milwaukee in between the ah, Magic and the Clippers. In between absolutely. the Magic and the Clippers. I actually enjoyed Milwaukee, the city, just from a basketball perspective. It wasn't my best. It wasn't my best. <laughs> I definitely respect that. Hey, JJ, as, as someone who I view as a pioneer in this space, um, we're talking um, current athletes doing a podcast. I think... Uh, you've been doing one now for what the last four or five years um, th throughout the rest. Well, the last four or five years of your career. 
And that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, I think I'll go another five, six years and then kind of start transitioning out. Um, but what advice do you have for myself and other players that's trying to break into this space and stay consistent while continuing to play at a high level? It's a great question because I know that you previously tried to do a podcast mm -hmm. and you did a few episodes. And that's the first piece of advice. If you're going to do this and do it right, you have to be consistent. Even prior to us launching Old Man of the Three last summer in August in the middle of the bubble, I had done uh, three seasons with The Ringer, mm -hmm. and I only did about 25 or 30 episodes a year. And unless it was a big, big name, the, the viewership, the listenership, the ad revenue, all that stuff, it wasn't consistent. The only time it was consistent previously was when I launched the first one, which was with Yahoo. I did 40, I think 41 episodes and it was 41 straight weeks. And I saw the audience grow. I saw the community grow. Uh, I made a little money doing that. Um, but it's hard as, as an NBA player. And we have Duncan Robinson uh, under our umbrella, our, our podcast umbrella. And look, he's he was in the middle of a slump and was like, I need to take two weeks off. By all means, <laughs> basketball is first. And I said that for, I said that the very first episode it, back in February of 2016, I said, look, if this ever interferes with basketball, I'm out. I'm out. Yes, sir. Basketball is my number one priority. And I expect that it'll be the same for you. But the consistency is key. I, I appreciate that. Because for me, um, like you said, doing it the first time that I tried it, you're right. Like I, I did it one week and then I'm like, ah, oh, my schedule don't really work this week. I can't really fit it in. Maybe we can go next week. And before you know it, it's been one episode in a month. And then, you know, after that month, we try to come back around and do it again. And and the, and the consistency wasn't there. But I also, I mean, that had to be whew, maybe five, four or five years ago now. I also wasn't in a place in my career where I truly understood the in and outs of the NBA, the in and outs of the schedule, um, how to how to really manage my time. I didn't understand any of that. And so it ended up being uh, an absolute struggle. And I told myself, I said, I will not get back in the podcast game until I am ready to manage the schedule, until I am ready to fully commit to it. Because in my mind, I'm like, I, I, I fucked this up once. Like, <laughs> I, you, you don't get many chances to yeah. fuck something up and still have an opportunity to do it later. So I fucked this up once. I have to get it right this time. I, so to that point, I, I really experienced this in the last uh, 15, 16 months with Old Man and the Three, because at one point when we first launched, we you know we were starting from zero. We had to we had to take we couldn't take our RSS feed. I didn't know the own the IP on the previous iteration at JJ Reddick Podcast, so we were starting with a subscriber base of zero, an audience of zero. Um, so we were pumping out a ton of content originally. We were doing like two weeks an episode for the first three or four months. Once the season started, we went back to once a week. And I feel like you get into a rhythm. And generally speaking, we record on Monday or Tuesday. We pump it out Wednesday or Thursday. And you you do all the prep work, which takes time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do all the prep work. I do all the creative, the writing, all that stuff. That takes time. And that could take anywhere from an hour to three hours, depending on the guest. And then you record the episode, which is an hour. You have your team edit it. They do the breakout videos, all that stuff. And then you don't have to worry about it for four or five days. 
it, mm-hmm. you, it, it, it decreases in priority. And then Sunday night, <laughs> Sunday night, you're like, all right, I got to get back on this shit. I got to figure, all right, we got this person this week. Let me start prepping. I, I, I carry my phone around me with me, obviously. If I have an idea for the guest, I pump it in my notes and then I do all my prep work, usually day of, to be honest with you. I like having everything fresh in my mind. The, the other piece of advice, and I don't really need to give you this piece of advice, but I thought of this as you were talking. You know, one of the reasons I started this was because I wanted to control the narrative. And, and you've mm-hmm. seen you've seen your guy, uh, KD, uh, start his own podcast. And he's been big on controlling the narrative around him. I wanted to control my own narrative. But I also wanted to, to learn how to own my own voice. Mm-hmm. And that is a skill. That is a skill. And it's not a skill that happens immediately. I think you're at the place in your career and in your life where you've done that. Any time I've seen you in a press conference or on an appearance with Turner, like, I know who Draymond is. You're you're consistent with who you are. And I think the audience always responds to someone owning their voice. I appreciate that. Uh, That's, you know, that's something that I've been big on is just wanting to stay myself and not do anything that kind of drags me away from that. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, But speaking, I'm in the lights of, well, just speaking on basketball, obviously you and I both know uh, it's funny. We we were in practice today, and 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 one of the coaches came up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, I I it just dawned on me." He's like, "Do you realize everyone in the NBA can hit a three today? Like, at, literally every guy in the league, because shooting is at such a premium that if you watch any guy's workouts, they're shooting they're shooting three pointers. Um, I mean, you have Dwight Howard. I watched one of Dwight Howard's workouts. It it literally consisted of mostly three point shots, and I'm not sure if I agree with that. Uh, I mean, obviously, Dwight's a Hall of Famer, so no disrespect to Dwight. But that's the league that we're in. It's, it's so three-point heavy. But for yourself, who is one of the greatest um, three-point shooters that we've seen in this league, uh, who do you rank your, as, in your top five three-point shooters to come through this league? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Steph is first. I respect Every, that. Everybody else is is way down the list to me uh, in no particular order. The, the, the other four, it's Clay, Kyle Korver, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller. To me, those are the guys. Because when we talk about great shooters, you, I, I don't want to disparage the previous iteration of three-point shooters in yes. the 80s or the 90s, but those guys were not shooting the shots we take today. Those guys were not taking the the difficult shots we were taking, nor were they shooting it at the volume. So, yes, a guy like Tim Legler, great shooter. He shot, I think, 55.6% one year to lead the league. (laughs) But he wasn't shooting the shots Clay was shooting. He's not shooting the shots Kyle Korver was shooting. And that's not a knock on Tim. It was a different game, and the game has evolved. And now we put such a premium on generating three-point looks. It's not just about the quality of the look. It's the it's the it's the volume of looks. If if Steph Curry and and Tom Haberstroh always talks about this, I think Steph's up to like fifteen, almost fifteen a game this year. Yeah. Tom's Tom's always been like Steph needs to shoot twenty a game because because <laughs> you do the math on that. Those those twenty shots equal about twenty seven points on average. Yeah. On average. Yeah. No, I think it's funny because I was talking to Bob Myers a couple weeks ago and he was telling me like. You know, Steph's three-point shots are getting up. But all, all of my analytical guys tell me, I, I, every time I ask them, like, how many threes are Steph at? Man, he said, all my analytical guys, they tell me 
And well, he, he's getting up there, but we, we need him at 20 a game. I'm like, number one, 23 point shots a game. That is brutal on the body, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and he's already putting he's already putting in enough work to get his shot off, to get his clips off. Absolutely. And and that's a lot of work on the body, but I, I think it is very interesting of where we we see the league going. I remember uh going back to my man, first two, three years, four years in the league, everybody's like, they're a jump shooting team. You can never win that way. Right. <laughs> you can never win shooting jump shots. They're a, and within one year, we went from like taking the most threes to like 16th in the league because everybody's like, oh man, we need to take more threes. So it's been very interesting to see that uh, growth in the game. But, but I something you just said um, really hit home with me and, and comparing the, the older generation to the newer generation and how the game actually worked because yeah like you see all the numbers of Steph passing uh Reggie Miller and going to pass Ray Allen so he's done it in like half the amount of games and it, it, it's going to be interesting because as you just said and I and I agree Steph the way he goes about things um I don't want to I don't want to disrespect any other shooter as as someone who's not a shooter myself but I think Steph is like in a farly different category than anyone else just because of the difficulty of shots. He's shooting them off the dribble. He's shooting them off the catch. He's shooting them off the spot. He's shooting them now. He's shooting them from 30 feet out each and every time he shoots the ball. But when you look at a guy like Trey Young, um, a guy like Donovan Mitchell, these guys who's come into the league taking threes at this rate from the very yes. beginning of their career, they're going to pass Steph's number in 500 games. And... Yet, I don't think that's necessarily going to tell the story of Steph being the greatest shooter alive and greatest shooter ever, but yeah, he changed the game. Like, what's your take on that? Well, so I, I was going to bring this up when you were talking earlier just about your first few years and them saying jump shooting teams can't win. When I look at the evolution of the three-point shot, the two teams I think of that sort of started this were the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash and Quentin Richardson Joe Johnson, Sean Marion, mm -hmm. and then my Orlando Magic teams, mm -hmm. which by accident, we ended up starting Richard and Turk together because Tony yep. Bati hurt his shoulder in, in training camp. <laughs> so we were four out, one in with Dwight. If you look at the numbers of those teams, those teams would be at the bottom of the league right now in three-point yes. attempts. Yeah, Bottom of the league. To your point about Trey and Donovan and and just really the, the the next generation of players. I'm 15th right now in three pointers made all time. Mm -hmm. Right, which is crazy. In 10 years, I'll be outside the top 50 probably. I'm being realistic <laughs> on that. I mean, it's the volume is 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 so different now. The other thing I would say about Steph, to your point about him, the, the shots he takes. Mm -hmm. My bag generally was coming to my right shoulder left right plant you know this everything yes. was run on the left side me coming left right plant shooting over yep. that shoulder away from mm -hmm. the defense so they couldn't bother my shot all right mm -hmm. then alpha dho's and and sort of step up pick and rolls a one or two dribble pull up three that was mm -hmm. my bag right kyle corver yes, a lot of the same right clay a lot of the same Absolutely. reggie a lot of the same ray allen to a degree had some off the dribble bounce but at the end of his career, when he was shooting a lot of threes, a lot of the same. Steph, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. The only guy, <laughs> the only guy that shoots it even remotely like Steph, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. Or that 
he's that far behind stuff is Dame. Yes. Dame is the only guy to me that in some way emulates what Steph does from the three-point line. I agree 100%. It's interesting that you say you in five five to seven years, you, you'll be at 50. And <laughs> yeah. that's interesting because it's actually going to be some guys higher than you that we wouldn't consider a shooter. Like, yeah, he's, he can hit the three, but we wouldn't really consider him a shooter. And that's just kind of where the game is going. But you speak of your Orlando Magic team with you, Turk, and Shar Lewis. Ryan Anderson ended up coming along on that team and stretching the floor. Um, Jameer Nelson. Now, guys that could really fill it up from outside, but like you said, would be at the bottom today. But looking back on your career, and obviously we had some battles uh, in, in your Clipper days, we're kind of right there in that space of, man, who's next up in the West, right? Like, is the Clippers are next up in the West. Then you had us coming about like, oh, we, we, we want to have something to say about that. And early in those years, we really didn't. You guys think y'all, y'all beat us in the game seven one year, uh, and, y'all, and y'all really had it going. But what was your favorite team uh, to play with and that you felt like had the best chance to win a championship? Obviously, y'all went to the finals with Orlando, but I feel like some of those Clipper teams we all thought will have a legit chance at winning a championship. I, I would say this. When I look back at my career, the the years I'm most fond of were my Clipper days for a number of reasons. Number one, because we were good. Mm-hmm. Number two, because it really was the type of basketball that I like, which is you had five guys pretty much all, at all times on the floor that complemented each other. It's what makes your team so great. It, it's what makes Thank the you. Warriors team so great. The players, the pieces, they complement each other. They yes. fit together. And our and our guys, especially those first two years when we had Matt, we really fit together. There was a, there was a an intelligence required to play against us. Yes. We were we were very smart. We had wink wink nod nods on every ATO, <laughs> on every after free throw play. We had a counter to every play. Those were that that's fun basketball to me. Is just, you know, using your brain a little bit too. I, honestly, though, the team I thought was going to win was actually the year after we made the finals in Orlando. Yes. The 2010 team. So we we finished the regular season 33-8. and eight. We swept the first two rounds of the playoffs. So we're 41-8 and eight going to the conference finals. Boston had had a little bit of a rough stretch during the regular season with some injuries. So we had home court in the conference finals, and they win the first two games. And we're playing catch-up the rest of the way. We lose in game six. But that team, to me, that was a lost opportunity. You look back, you, you know, you, you won't have this because you've won, but I'm sure you'll look back and say, oh, we, we maybe let, let that one get away. Maybe it was 16 for you or something like that. Absolutely. You know, that, that team. But I look back, and especially those first two years before you guys had evolved into yes. the 2016 team and then the 2017 team with Kevin that first year, those first two years with the Clippers, those were golden opportunities. We were as good as anybody in basketball. 100%. I mean, we're, we're coming up against you guys. And like I said, everybody's kind of tagging y'all as the next young guys up to go win championships with, with yourself and CP, DeAndre, Blake. Um, I'm not which, sure which year Matt Barnes was on there, but I think that was early on. Yeah, those uh, are the, yeah, that, the first two yeah. years Matt was on those teams. Yep. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think y'all definitely had just as good a chance as anyone. Um, and I think for me, 2016, you're right. I'll always beat myself up about that one. And not because we lost or not because, um, like, I got suspended or or the way it went down. 
Like, I don't have any regrets about any of that stuff. But the regret I do have is, is how uh, we had a golden opportunity to not only be 73-9, and nine, but win the NBA Finals, put together the absolute best year in NBA history, yep. and we let that one fall by the wayside. So that one fucking beat so, me down. So Doc had this comment, and I want to touch a little bit on that 2016 Finals, because Doc had this comment after you guys won in 15, that mm-hmm. winning a championship requires a little bit of luck. And of course, you guys, look, you guys are prideful. I think Clay was probably the most outspoken about that, <laughs> um, and, which he always is. You know, I, I said something the other day on ESPN about you guys not not having the hardest schedule. And Clay, Clay reacted to that. I'm like, Clay, I'm your biggest fan, dude. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> but anyways, when you look back at that 16 series, I, what Doc was saying was there's certain things that have to go in your favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I look at that. The, the Sixers series when we lost to the, the Raptors yes. and Kawhi's shot. Like, yes. That's an unlucky bounce of all unlucky bounces. And if you look at that 16 series, you guys are up 3-1. LeBron steps over you. You react. Hey, you could call that unlucky. You get suspended. Yes. Bo gets banged up. You could call yeah. that unlucky. LeBron and Kyrie for three straight games play out of their fucking minds. LeBron Absolutely. makes one of the greatest blocks, defensive plays in NBA history. Yeah. So those are all things that went in their favor against you guys. And you lose by a, basically a buzzer beater, right? Yep. So Absolutely. Not a buzzer beater, but he made it with 40 seconds or whatever it was on mm-hmm. the clock. Kyrie, Kyrie step back. So there's so much, there's so many things that are required to go in your favor. And when you start adding up a bunch of things in a seven game series, shit happens and you Absolutely. may lose. And that, that to me was what kept happening with our Clippers teams. Yeah, you know, I, you know, fourteen, we're playing game five at OKC. I think we're up nine or eleven with four minutes to go. We make some bone. Like Chris made three plays I've never seen him make before. You know, was that the In one where he tried to In take six, the foul and he threw the ball and they yeah. they didn't call the foul? Yes, <laughs> and then yes, so that he, he makes that play, then he fouls Westbrook on a three. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why we're fouling Westbrook on a three. <laughs> and then we have a chance. We're down one. We have a chance to win. And he turns the ball over. I've never, yeah. Have you ever seen CP turn the ball over? He doesn't the game? make those mistakes. Ever. No, he doesn't make those mistakes. You know, then 15, we're up 3-1. We're at home. We're up 19 in the second half. Josh Smith hit, hits three threes <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Corey Brewer hits two threes in the fourth quarter. We lose that game, okay? 16. Uh, we, st- I've talked about this before. I don't know that we would have beat you guys, but Steph hurts his knee. Yeah. He's a little banged up. There's this window right before we play, uh, I think it's game four, right before we play game four, where we're like, oh, we got a shot. Let's mm-hmm. win this game. Let's take care of business. Go home. Play the Warriors. Within 10 minutes in the second half, Blake tears his quad tendon and CP yep. breaks his wrist. The following yep. year in the first round, Blake, we're up 2-1 against Utah. Blake tears a, a, the, his plate in his foot. Like, mm-hmm. those are the type of shit you, you can't overcome if you want to win a championship. So there is there is a an element of whatever you want to call it, but there is an element of luck. And, and certainly in our league, you have to have a Steph Curry. You have to have a LeBron James, a Kevin Durant, to w- a Kawhi Leonard to win. Mm-hmm. But you also have to have some things go in your favor in a playoff series. No, 100%. You know, coaches used to always say that to us, actually. It's like, uh, when March come around, 
Uh, you got to be clicking on all cylinders, and you always need a little bit of luck. And like you said, that's health. Uh, that's a bounce by Kawhi Leonard. That is, that is definitely all of those things. So I, I actually agree. I think when and looking back on it now, we can all look back on it and say, um, we can all look back on it and say, Doc was 100% right. I think at that time for us, where it's coming like, oh, it's Doc. It's coming from the Clippers. <laughs> we we hate each like we all hate each other, right? Like it's this uh, NorCal versus SoCal thing that's coming together. It's the it's the Steph Chris Paul thing at the time, you know, where it's like who's uh, is Steph coming up to surpass Chris Paul? Chris Paul kind of raised Steph with the whole North Carolina ties, and so I think once you look at all of that back then, it's like oh Harris Doc slighting us, right? Like Harris Doc taking a shot at us. But looking back on it, no, 100% accurate. You definitely need a little bit of luck and, and some things to go your way. But, um, JJ, you have, you've had the opportunity to play with two incredible, uh, well, probably more, but two for sure incredible big men and Dwight Howard, who is 100% a Hall of Famer, who was actually left off that, uh, that NBA 75 list, which... I thought was fucking ridiculous because if you're leaving him off that list, you're leaving him off the list because of his last five years, right? But you can't be leaving him off that list due to what he's he did in those first 11 years. And in the last five years, whoop-de-doo, he hasn't been the player that he was, but he won a fucking championship. So he really stamped that resume, regardless of how you want to talk about it or, or go say, oh, well, he wasn't the star of that team or whatever. He fucking won a championship. He contributed to that championship after essentially re reviving his whole career, having to revive, you know, just, I mean, really revive it. He was Bu buying, buying, buying into a role. He had to buy Absolutely. into a role that wasn't his role for his first 11 years. And that, Absolutely. Took, that took a few seasons to get there, but he bought it, it, into that role. It takes I, a lot I of said guys. this on my podcast. I, dude, that was the most egregious error. And, and I'm, there's a bunch of guys you can make an argument for. Mm -hmm. I, I I could go down the list, and and I know Clay's been joking around wearing 77 practice or whatever, <laughs> but like no, that's not an affront to Clay or or you or, or or Tracy McGrady or Vince or anybody else. But Dwight was the guy that should have been on that list. Yes. And and I always say this: narrative matters so much. And there's there's two things that happen in Dwight's career. You just mentioned one, which is. Starting sort of in Houston, there was a yes. narrative around him as a teammate, as a leader. Um, and then the second thing is, he was the best player in 2011. Absolutely. He was second in MVP that year. Derrick Rose got it. But if by any advanced metric, Dwight was the best player in the league that year. But because the Bulls had this incredible turnaround, Derrick sort of came out of nowhere that year. And, and, and I'm not discrediting Derrick's MVP by any means. but had Dwight won the MVP that year, you couldn't have left him off the list. Nope, sure couldn't have. You sure couldn't, couldn't have, have left him I, off the list. No, and, and that is a fact. So, but when you say the, out of the guys you play with, um, Dwight and Joel, who I also think uh, is an incredible young bid, not quite Hall of Famer yet because he has to continue to step that, stamp that resume and, and add on to it, um, but definitely has Hall of Fame potential, uh, has the game. But with those guys, two two totally different bigs, though. Like, Dwight's catching lobs. And and at that time in Orlando, like, you would dump the ball into the post yeah, to Dwight. And, you know, yeah. he'd, he'd jump hooks. But not as heavy as as Joel. Like, 
I mean, the whole entire offense is is ran around Joel and Philly. But what what were your like your experience of playing with those two guys? Two, I think, different experiences, but a little similar. I, I think the similarity between the two is that, in different ways, by the way. But the similarity is they could anchor a top five defense when they were on the floor. You know, Dwight in his prime, and certainly Joel now. He can anchor a top five defense. You could put four smart players around them and you can have a top five defense. Offensively, uh, very different. And, and even though we did throw the ball to, to Dwight a lot, a lot of his strength was based on his the way he moved, his yes. quickness, his explosiveness. That's not really Joel's game. Joel can certainly is certainly nimble. I would describe him as agile yes. and nimble. Mm-hmm. But Joel's skill at his size I mean, you could probably name two or three guys in NBA history at his size that can do the things he does. Absolutely. And so it was it was a, it was a very different experience playing with both, but it, it was it was a very rewarding experience because, you know, as as you know, playing against me, like I thrived when I had a a five to play two man with, and and you know I started running, maybe my fourth year, yeah, my fourth year, I started running that elbow action on the left side with Dwight, you know, Absolutely. where I'm going to get a DHO. If the big steps up, I'm throwing the pocket pass. Mm-hmm. If the big lays back, I got to pull up Jay going to my Absolutely. right hand. And I had that with Joel. We evolved it with Joel. I, I'm not saying I was the first to do this, but that inverted screen and roll. Yeah. So, you know, when everybody started top locking me, I'm not, you're not, you're not coming off to your right hand. Well, my guy's got his back turned. Mm-hmm. Dwight's guy can't see me or Joel's guy can't see me. And I would just gently walk my guy <laughs> into, <laughs> into Joel's defender. And he's so smart. He, he had like this innate sense. Cause you know, his back's turned to me. Mm-hmm. He had this innate sense when he turned of when I was being top lock and he'd come off and get a dunk. I also ran that a little bit with, with Ben, but obviously that's more of a one, two inverted action, which, which yeah. a lot of teams run, but that inverted big pick and roll was, was sort of the, the evolution. And, and truthfully, Dwight probably couldn't have done that. He didn't have yes. he didn't have the ball skills and the dribbling skills to really pull that off. Um, but those are I go down the list of the best players I played with, and and Dwight and Joel are, are at or near the top of the list. No, that's 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 beautiful. And uh, for all our listeners out there, um, we are headed into Thanksgiving in a couple of days. JJ has a house full coming tomorrow, so we have to let JJ go. I can sit here and talk basketball with you all day as as an incredible um basketball mind that you are but also as as the incredible radio tv personality that you have become i think it's beautiful uh you are extremely intellectual uh you know the game in and out and and your resume obviously speaks for itself uh so i'll I'll let you out of here on this one um tough tough do, do guys fear lebron more uh, on the court, or, or or are they fearing going up against you on TV? Because you you're obviously <laughs> fucking trending for killing people, man. I mean, what's what's more to fear here, JJ? <laughs> well, I think this takes the conversation full circle, actually, and that's just, just that's owning your voice, owning your truth, and absolutely. You know, my truth is based upon two things: my experience. So obviously, my truth is very personal, but it's also based on observation. 
And there are objective facts that you cannot deny. There are objective facts that you cannot deny. So I try to sort of fit in those facts where I can. I'm not trying to go after anybody, (laughs) but if I disagree with something, I'll let it be known. I'll let it be known. But Dre, Dre, before, before I get off, a lot of people, by the way, I know you got a lot of basketball left in you, but a lot of people have said to me, you and Draymond need to do the version of the Manning Brothers Monday Night Football when Draymond's oh retired. So just keep that in mind in five years or six years, whenever you're done, all right? I'll definitely keep that in mind, man. I, I know today uh, you going at Stephen A., uh, who I love, man, oh, he, uh, my he's, brother. Yeah, I do. I said this on my – so I recorded uh, the intro to our podcast for this week, and we, we touched on a little – Tommy brought it up. Mm-hmm. And I said this, man, like Stephen A., I think is one of, if not the most talented person on television, sports, politics, entertainment. He has a real talent. It has been so entertaining for me and, and, and truthfully like enjoyable to sit across the table from him. You have a, I've known Steven for a long time. We all have, Mm -hmm. you have a conversation with him off air. Soon as we hear that 10 second Mark, he goes into character. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it it's it's a tornado and it is it is so beautiful to watch and it's 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 just it's very rewarding to be on screen with him and to be able to to, to chat hoops with him no that's that's beautiful i i think i've had a similar experience in working with chuck like chuck yes, yes. chuck fucking sits there and text he sits there and talks shit like i mean it's it's you know the game's going on you're kind of sitting in the back i'm sitting there watching taking notes uh Jotting stuff down in my phone, sending stuff to the producer, getting ready for my segment. Chuck's over here fucking watching a dating show. <laughs> and I'm like, this fucking guy sitting here watching a dating show. And meanwhile, he's going to go out here. We're going to talk basketball. And he knows everything that's going on. It's like yep. this uncanny ability yep. uh, that they have and extremely um, honored to to work alongside uh, yeah. a guy like that as, as you working alongside Stephen A. But as far as that, um, and I'll let you out of here, as, as far as that Manning brother, Eli and Peyton, obviously I did that a few days or last week. And yeah. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, number one, I'm fucking sitting on TV talking to Peyton Manning, Peyton and Eli <laughs> Manning. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. that, that in itself was incredible for me. But um. I watched the game last night. I watched uh fuck who was playing whoever was playing last night. I watched that game. I watched I watched the Peyton and Eli uh cast. I didn't I yeah, didn't yeah. really I didn't even watch the normal broadcast. That's so entertaining. Uh and, and I think you're on to something, JJ. I would love to sit there, talk sports with you, uh talk that actual game with you, but also just talking sports. I think it's beautiful. I think we have two totally different perspectives, whereas yours yep. Coming from more of, I'm more of a playmaker, um, do all the dirty work. You're coming off lighting everybody up. So I think our perspectives will match. And I would be honored uh, to sit in a in a room with, with a goat like yourself and talk basketball, man. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Absolutely. We'll it happen. But, JJ, we, we, I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on uh, this week's episode of the Draymond Green Show. Um, I am looking forward to coming on Old Man in the Three. We'll talk some more shit. We'll talk a bunch of basketball. But I'm looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for coming on, JJ. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, Dre. Appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. I mean, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. As we know, I've had my fair share Throughout the course of my career, over these last nine years, now 10 in the NBA, this segment will be called Tech Support. I am extremely excited about this segment because as someone as particular as I am, every year I would go through and like I would write my text down. I'd be like, yep, I deserve this one. I definitely deserve this one. And I got my money's worth. This one, on the other hand, I didn't quite deserve this one. and this one should probably be rescinded. I've actually had these conversations with, with the league office before of my entire list of texts. Like, yep, this one, this is exactly what happened. I 100%. And I'm, the thing about it, I'm always going to be 100% honest. 
I take pride in my text. And I actually enjoy getting them when I'm trying to get them. And then I also am honest when that, that I didn't quite deserve that text. But this is tech support. And in honor of Russ not knowing that he got a tech, first off, Russ, you fucking squared up with the guy or whoever he was squaring up with. How in the hell did Russ not know he got a tech? Like, that's, I mean, I guess there was a lot going on. But in honor of Russ not knowing he got a tech, uh, we will kick off the tech support segment of the Draymond Green Show. And I think it'll get a little interesting and a little spicy depending on some of these texts as we embark on this new journey of tech support. Okay, Dre, for this one, this took place January 21st, 2021. So last season, it comes after uh, you were bringing the ball up, trying to get get the ball to James Wiseman in the post. Bit of a turnover. (laughs) Whose fault is it? Yours or his? And you come back down the court when you guys are backing up on defense. You're yelling at him. It seems like you're yelling at, at Wiseman. And then all of a sudden, you're teed up. Walk us through this play. Here we are, as you can see. Um, it's 60 to 55, second quarter with a minute and 10 seconds to go. And here I am trying to make a post feed to James Wiseman that if you hold your man off, if he's sitting on the top side, if you hold him off, he goes for that steal. You guys dunk. And you're more than capable of holding him off. And so I'm telling him as a running back down the court, hold your position. And he says something back. I can't really recall what he's saying back. But then as he says something back, I then yell, I yell something back to him. And as you can see right here, I'm coming back. We're, we're retreating back on defense. And the official at the top of the screen blows his whistle and gives me a tech. And, man, I mean, I was baffled. Number one, you're trailing the play. There's no way you can hear I'm the first person on the court. I turn the ball over. There's no way you can really make out what I'm truly saying, which is why you got it completely wrong because it's it's too far away from you. It's it definitely it clearly wasn't enough to get a tech as we know. But uh I I was I was pretty frustrated by this one because you know, we're playing a a a New York Knicks team who's having a, having a pretty good year. Um and, you know, it's, it's an important game for us. And yet I get thrown out of the game right before halftime inadvertently. Um, it's pretty frustrating because for me personally, I am going to get my fair share of texts. I am going to, at times, give you reasons to, to give me a tech or two. And so in this situation, I, I just like to earn the tech. I like to earn the ejection. And like I said, you know, and you know, to the league's credit and in their defense, they reached out immediately, said it was a mistake. They were rescinding the fine. They were rescinding the tech. And so no harm there, no harm, no foul there. But to get kicked out of the game uh, and miss the rest of that game, which can alter an entire season, I thought there should have been something there where they could say, yep, that was 100% an inadvertent whistle, a mistake, and I could stay in the game. But, and yet, you know, that rule hasn't been changed, so whatever. Do you remember the outcome of that game? I do not remember the outcome of the game. Uh, I was At the so time of the technical foul, you guys were down by five. Lost the game, 119-104. Which is crazy. By the way, I can make up 15 points and a half. <laughs> not that I'm going to score the 15 points. 
But I can definitely make up those 15 points. So that was pretty frustrating. Meanwhile, maybe if we don't lose that game, we're not in the play-in game. Then we make the playoffs or whatever. You never know. So Ain't saying, just saying. Uh, you know, it's a little frustrating. As we as we continue on through the tech support journey, um, wrapping up the wrapping up the tech support, I will be giving you a rating on a scale of one to ten of the bullshit meter on whether I actually deserve the tech or not. And in honor of kicking this segment off, uh, in honor of the league admitting that it was a mistake and me getting my money back and and getting that that individual tech rescinded. Uh, this has to be a ten on the on on the bullshit odometer. Um, it, it it's one hundred percent a ten. By the way, there will be ones that if this is a ten, there will be ones that's probably tilting towards the negative side of the scale because I went extremely over the top to get it, and that's okay. But in honor of tech support, this is one hundred percent a ten on the bullshit odometer of text. Because we all know I didn't deserve this one. There's been a a bunch of chatter about um, breakout seasons, about guys who've taken it to another level. I actually have the honor of playing with a guy who I think is having a breakout season, uh, most improved player-worthy season. Um... And and it's a huge part to our success that we're having. Uh, my rook, Jordan Poole, um, who I, as I said, I think is definitely the most improved player in this league uh, with the strides that he's made um, from his rookie year to now is incredible. And, you know, I think it's, I find it funny. Jordan, number one, Jordan Poole is one of the hardest working guys that I've played with. The kid lives in the gym always working on this game since the time that he came here to Golden State. He's been a worker and works his ass off. So it's no surprise to me that he's having the success that he's having because when you work the way he worked, you're going to have success. I mean, that's just, you know, that's what it boils down to. And so uh, you got you got to put the work in. I am thrilled at the the success that he's having. And, and I must say, um, you know, I can talk about the hard work. I can try to pinpoint one specific game to where I'm like, that guy, he has it. Well, you've always known he can score the ball. You've always known uh, he can shoot the ball, and he had that. But one thing that Jordan did that showed me, he's going to be all right in this league. Actually happened in training camp of his rookie year. We're in camp, and he's talking shit to everybody. He's talking, and... and me personally, that's what I do. I talk shit, so I don't mind. Like, talk as much shit as you want. At some point, I'm going to probably say something that hurts your feelings and stop you from talking shit. But by all means, say whatever the hell you want to say. Well, other guys in the league, they guys don't really take too well to young guys talking shit. And I can recall, you know, my fresh, my rookie year, I came into the league talking shit to everyone, and guys hated me. I mean, KD... Rust, like that Thunder team, was they they really hated young guys coming in and talking shit. And I used to talk crazy to everybody. Just whatever. That's just how I grew up. Jordan came into camp talking shit to everybody. And I remember one day, uh, him and Glenn Robinson III, who's also uh, went to that other school down the way, 
they got into it. And and like all the guys are coming to me. Uh, this is what, 2019, where 20, 19, 20 season. And all these guys are coming to me, like, tell them to shut up. His young ass always got something to say. Da 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 da. And they're asking me to tell him to shut up. I'm like, I'm not gonna tell him to shut up. If you can't handle him talking shit, that's on you. Like, y'all shut him up. At that moment, though, the way he was getting under God's skin, I appreciated that. And, you know, you couple that with the hard work that he puts in and the amount of skill that he has. And it is a recipe for a guy who's going to be successful in this league. And so uh, more so than any basketball moment for me, uh, knowing that Jordan kind of had it inside of him of what it takes, it was more so that moment of him getting under everyone's skin and all the guys pissed off. Because he's a young guy, um, he's because he's a young guy talking shit to them, and 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 you know, if he's not playing well, then you just tell him shut up, figure it out, like you you you're not doing shit, whatever, blah blah blah. But he was playing well and letting them hear about it, and so for me, that was the moment where I'm like, oh, like he he, I like him, like he got some shit to him. And I think in order to be great, you have to have some shit to you. And so I am extremely thrilled to see his growth uh, since coming into this league. It's incredible. I look forward to him hosting that most improved player trophy at the end of this season because he's having that type of year. And as I said before, you put the work in, you get the results. And he puts the work in, which means he'll continue to get better as this season go along. And he'll ho hoist that trophy at the end of the year. And that is a wrap on this episode of the Draymond Green Show, our second episode. We'll continue to go. We'll continue to get better. And we'll continue to talk that shit. From this week of the Draymond Green Show, I'm out. Peace. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.